Welcome to Ex Libris On Air and the stories behind the stories of today's literature and their authors. Greetings for Ex Libris On Air. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book title is interesting and uh, attention-grabbing, Marble, Grass, and Glass. And joining me from Minnesota is the author, Initial B. Sham Motilo. Welcome, sir, to the program. Thank you. This is an interesting read, uh, almost uh, 350 pages, which is pretty extensive. It deals with a subject most of us are not familiar with, and that may be why you were motivated to write it. Tell a little of your personal background, your history, and, and how this book got to be written. Well, I was born in Guyana, South America. My ancestors came from India. And um, I've known a bunch of stories about what happened to these people from 1850, 1840, um, until about 1920. Mm. And um, as I got older, I started recognizing that these are some interesting stories. So I decided to start keeping some notes, do some research. I traveled quite a bit, look at archives, went from Guyana to India to different places to find information and recognize that these are stories that need to be told that the world do not know about. The the history or the story that you that unfolds in your book uh, relates to slavery or servitude, if I may use that term, and many of us are, uh, well, maybe the word brainwashed, we are, we are led to believe that there's only one race in the universe that ever was in slavery, and that's being touted a lot. I'm from Irish heritage, and I know even the Irish folks uh, at times were, were enslaved or into forced labor. Is this the yeah. story that unfolds it, it, here? Yes, it is, and, and it's an indentured ser- servant process, servitude, but uh, what the British basically did, they, they redefined slavery because they, they didn't want to call it slaves, but they treated them that way. Hmm. And when you say indentured, is that the type of slavery, if I can use that term, that, that you can buy your way out of or pay your way out and uh, get right. freedom? Yes. You, 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 you uh, contract for five years, and you had, they were promised that they could have a passage back to India. Or if they want to buy out of it, they have the money, they can buy out of their contract and do whatever they want after that. Um, it, it was pretty flexible as far as what was promised, but, you know, promises and reality are two different things. Absolutely. In fact, in the United States, and many don't realize this, the first lawsuit that ever was raised was by a a plantation owner who happened to be black or from Africa, and he was uh, doing a, 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 a lawsuit against one of his indentured slaves that uh, was not working out too well, and uh, that's unknown in history as well. This, uh, How long did it take you, sir, for, for getting the, the storyline together where you felt it was comfortable to share? I've been working on this story for 40 years. Wow. Um, I, at first, I just... You know, initially just um, searching, asking, um, but the last 10 years was uh, probably critical when I really got serious about doing this and recognized that th- these stories have been told. I did not plan on publishing a book initially, actually. I was going to do this for um, for my family to document who we are, where we come from, and some of the stories were quite interesting, so I figured generations down the road need to understand these things. But as it, I got closer and closer, I thought, you know, this would make a very good book for people to read. And that's the last five years I started working and making this into a book. The story itself, it does, there is a, a 
correlation between the story and the history and your family, if you're, if you're, if I'm understanding your your conversation. That is correct. Huh? You, did your family also end up in in Guyana? Uh, also, from... in 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 Guyana. Guyana, yes. Guyana, yeah. They... Uh, yes, my um, my um, grandparents, great grandparents, great great grandparents came. They came in various ships at different times, and um, but none of them returned. Many of them died there in Guyana. Wow. The the story uh, t- takes place over uh, a number of years. 1838 to 1917 is the primary focus, I believe, of your book. What did you discover right. about your family history that maybe surprised you and may surprise the reader? The brutality and the abuse. Hmm. Physically and mentally? Physically, mentally, and sexually. Oh, wow. And were there also some hopeful signs that you discovered or some positive out uh, outbreakings of this story that will also encourage the reader when they when they see it are they all going to be sort of just shocked by the contents no no you know and and it was people searching for a better life and many of them came and survived very well excuse me and but some did not do so well right you had several characters are are mentioned that you feel perhaps are the highlight of your book. Uh, share a little of their story. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, one of the things that um, initially was the um, the way they start encouraging and lying or flummoxed um, the women to come. Um, that that was something that um, was shocking to me because I thought most of them came on their own free will. But then I found out that uh, when when the ship could not sail, the ships could not sail unless they had a percentage of women, let's say 40%. And the recruiters would be pressured to go and find women at any by using any means. And so they would lie and, you know, they would kidnap, they would do a lot of different things because they had to get 40%. It, it was expensive to have the, the, the ship sitting there um waiting for for a full complement but legally the ship could not sail so they uh, basically start kidnapping some of the women wow and you know they start going to the local wells and places where women concentrate or if they were traveling alone they would nab them and and you know put them into this what they call a prison depot until they have enough and then they'll you know they'll hurt them like cattle put them into the ship and off they went what did you think is uh, the moral of your story other than the brutality and the other historical facts that you share? What do you think they'll take away from this? What is the story underlying it? This, this story basically is towards the end, is that, you know, nothing lasts forever. And, and every nation and every civilization can tell about some good times, bad times, and everything in between. That these people, you know, they had to live their lives and survive. Many of them came voluntarily and, and did very well. But, you know, after this whole process was over, my parents, including, you know, they've evolved and they had this passion that, you know, we're better than that and, and we can do better than that. And so my generation came along and basically um, moved on. And so. You know, bad things will happen, whether you're Irish or German or you're whatever religion you are, you know, so from time to time. But there is hope and there's um, uh, there's a silver lining out there that we basically can hope that things will get better someday. And those people probably prayed and did whatever they had to do, but they survived. I mean, some did some better than others. 
Uh, many died, and but I am the person who survived and evolved, and, and uh, that's the story. Is that it, it? Bad things will happen to good people and to all people, but there's a hope that you know there's an end to things, and every the human race must have this perception or the belief that okay, it is bad right now, but we will make it better. And um, my belief is uh, something I read some time ago is that evil will only survive if good people do not do something to stop it. Absolutely, I... and a lot of good people, a lot of good people came along and put an end to it. Education-wise, what was the scenario there with these indentured slaves? They try to keep them as illiterate as possible. Hmm. They, you know, um, the, the few. Um, uh, pundits that came. The pundits were obviously the Hindu priest, um, and and obviously on the Muslim side they had the different um, the Mejis who overcame, and those people basically held the culture together, and and it became more of a spiritual education rather than, you know, learning history or whatever the case may be. So they start telling the stories, and it evolved and evolved. Um, <clears throat> most people did not get a chance to go to school. They they basically the children were working in the plantations and um but it got to be around the 19 early 1900s was when um, the anglicans and, and different people came and they built schools in my generation you know for example i went to an anglican school and there are different schools so my parents did not go to school they did not um they were not educated but some people did um they probably had enough money to to survive on my father was an orphan my mother's father was an orphan and so Survival was number one, and so education became pretty low priority. Um, my generation came along, and we put a, a very, very high value on education. And, um, well, I, by the time I was 19 years old, I was a chemistry and science teacher in high school. Wow. So we, we basically had to go out there and survive on the farms and make a living, do whatever. But, um, you know, believing that education would be the only way to to elevate ourselves and people my generation or the generation for me we we that, that was the emphasis we have to educate ourselves and evolve into a better lifestyle uh, your parents uh, did they migrate to the united states how did you end up in uh, minnesota i came here to go to medical school hmm. and um this is back you know 50 something years ago i came by myself had 200 dollars and i came here Sometimes youth and stupidity is just young and stupid, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I came and learned a few things. I've obviously, with no money, I couldn't finish medical school, but I, I, I went through colleges and whatnot, so forth, many years, and life evolved. But when I got here, you know, my, um, my parents were not well. They were getting older. So I brought them here for medical reasons, and um, basically they, they stayed in Minnesota for about um about 17 years, but they traveled and they went to India and different places, and they, they had some good times towards the end. Now, had they had they migrated from Guyana or somewhere else? From Guyana. From Guyana. Wow. Fascinating. And what, uh, what was their lifestyle after things settled down and people became uh, were able to experience freedom in Guyana? Farmer, farming. Most of, the, most of the Indian people end up being farmers. Um, many of them were given some land in lieu of a, a return trip. And so they became rice farmers. And so I grew up on the farm, obviously. And, you know, we, we start basically um, growing stuff for, you know, survival. Um, so basically, most people didn't get a chance to go to school. They didn't, 
have a lot of opportunity because uh, as children, there was 10 children in my family, and we all had to work, mm. um, basically, to um, to survive. The others in your family, how did they fare? Have they also pursued education? What uh, What is the highlight yeah, of they, their, their choice? Yes, everybody did very well at education. In fact, in my family, we have everything from doctors and lawyers and psychiatrists and CEOs and presidents. And, wow. Um, they, they've all done very, very well. Um, you know, it, it's just something that we put such an emphasis on education. Um, they live in, you know, different parts of the United States. They are all, nobody lives in Guyana anymore. I still have a home and a farm down there, but I, that's what the extent of it. Amazing. Your title is interesting also, Marble, Grass, and Glass. What is the significance yeah. of that? The, the marble represents... The, the civilization that they came from. Many of these people were very wealthy and they lived in marble mansions. Or, like my father, when he when he was an orphan, and you know, he would dream about going to some fancy ma- marble mansion where he would have his parents um, in his mind babysitting him. Um, but they end up coming to Guyana from these mansions, and some like some did, end up living in grass huts. Mm. You know, little shacks, they, that's all they could afford, so that that's the grass part. Then my generation ended up working in glass offices, you know. So we went from extreme to extreme to extreme. It's an amazing story. Do you, do you feel like, although this really is a recap to some degree of your family history, is this something that every reader will embrace, do you feel? And if so, what do you think they'll take away from this? Well, my hope is that people would realize that atrocities happen and, and we need to know so we can avoid having such things in the future. Um, I really wanted to tell the story. I just thought that a lot of people do not know that. Interestingly, the book really took off very well, and people have been calling me and, and telling me that it's such interesting stories they couldn't stop reading it. And it's it's very fascinating to, to to them, at least to know people from Guyana, but even people in the United States, um, people from all walks of life have been telling me that um, this book is just fascinating, and they really enjoy reading it. Uh, they did not know these stories. Um, there are a few people told me that it was pretty painful to read because um, they didn't recognize that such um, atrocities actually happen. Mm. So there's, you know, depends on people's comfort zone. But, you know, overall, I am very, very happy that I had a chance to do this because I don't think there was a book ever written like this that tells some real stories and walk through the history of family generation after generation after generation as to what happened to these people. And basically, I tell myself, shame on me if I don't tell the story because I do know the stories. And it took me a long time and a lot of painful research, if you want to call it that, to actually get to this reality part. And I'm just, just so proud and happy that I could actually accomplish this in my lifetime. You have some excellent reasons for wanting to write this. Well, the number one reason I, for telling the story, but I wrote this book for the human race that everybody can read and understand that things do happen. But also, there's a silver lining, and there are good days ahead. Excellent. Great inspirational thought. Thank you for sharing your story. This, again, is a book that is a must-read for anyone that's curious about history, uh, may want to uh, delve into some of the background of uh, Guyana and uh, other incidences that have happened in the life of our author. Initial B. 
Sham Motilel. Sir, where do we get copies of this? Oh, they sell different places. I think you can buy it at Target, from what I understand. Um, Amazon, you can buy it directly from the publisher, exlibris.com, um, Barnes & Nobles. The, the book is available in several places. Um, we, you know, depends where, where people want, but most people bought the book from Amazon. That's probably the number one source. Very good. The title of the book, again, is Marble, Grass, and Glass. My guest author, B. Sham Motilel. I think I have that correct, do I, sir? Yes, you do. And it's spelled M-O-T-E-E-L-A-L-L. You can do a search online for Mr. Montilel and his uh, book, This Marble, Grass, and Glass. Sir, is there another book in the works for you? Do you think you might uh, maybe want to share additional stories? Yes, uh, there are other books coming. In fact, my second book, but this one, the second book is going to be on business management and corporate America. And uh, my third book is going to be in human sustainability, and so there are more coming. I'm, I'm going to dedicate the rest of my life into writing. Uh, um, if people want to know more about me, they can look at my website. It's lifexpr.com. That's L-I-F-E-X as in X-ray, P as in Paul, R as in Randy, dot com. Fabulous. Thank you so much for sharing your insight and sharing your family history. This is inspirational, one that everyone that's listening should get a copy of. Thank you again for being a part of today's program. You're welcome. Thank you. My pleasure for Ex Libris On Air. This is Jay Douglas Barker.